effectively around the idea of helping narrow the uh, window of disappointment that we all potentially have to jump through when we go on a holiday. Sites like TripAdvisor, we can do as much research as we can beforehand, read reviews, get a, a, a clearer picture so that when we get there, we don't necessarily have such a, a propensity for disappointment. There's, there's uh, sites like Urban Spoon and Yelp for, for reviewing restaurants. You know, you go to a restaurant's website, they're only going to tell you the good stuff. They're only going to post what the good reviews have said around and about. Well, duh, you know, churches do the same thing. Oh, oh this person hated our restaurant. Come along, you'll love it. No, that, but you go to these third-party websites and it's all about helping us get a clearer, more accurate, honest um, picture of the thing, the experience that we're heading towards so that the, the, the potential for disappointment is less and less. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been having this conversation around this topic of the expectation gap. The expectation gap, aka disappointment, is brought about simply when our experience doesn't live up to our expectation. And uh, I want to just kind of helicopter up Take us back to the beginning of the year and catch you up if you're new here at Elevate. In December last year, God really gave me a word for us. And this word was breakthrough. And you see it every single time we have a slide on this slide deck. You'll see it in a lot of our communications, social media and so on. This word that 2014 would be a year of breakthrough. A year of breakthrough for individuals. And, and, and in two weeks' time, we're going we're gonna to be telling some of the stories of breakthrough that we've seen God do this year already. And then corporate breakthrough, things that God wants to do in and through us this year to set us up for even more kingdom effectiveness as we continue to follow Jesus and be used by him. So two weeks ago, we talked around the idea that people sometimes don't meet our expectations. The reason we put this conversation on the list is in March, we weren't going to have this conversation in August. We plan 18 months ahead about what we're going to talk about. We know what we're going to talk about next year. We've already planned it. We planned it last month. But in March, under this idea of breakthrough, God kind of tapped me and he reached across and ripped the handbrake on and, and changed everything that we're going to talk about for the remainder of the year, including this idea. One of the reasons is that when it comes to people, some of us experience a lot of relational breakdown and not relational breakthrough. And that can be in marriages, that can be with kids, that can be with bosses, colleagues, and neighbors, and extended family members. And so two weeks ago, we talked about some ways to help. We can't disappoint-proof our lives, okay? I mean, like... We know that, okay? But we can better position ourselves to, to, to lessen the possibility of experiencing the expectation gap. So two weeks ago, we talked about that, how we can break through and not break down when it comes to relationships. Last week, we tackled a hefty topic about how to respond when God doesn't meet our expectations. And uh, let me tell you this. I'm pretty sure that that topic resonated with a lot of you before you came. And I promised last week that we weren't going to be able to answer all your questions. I don't want to follow a God that I can fully understand. I want to follow a God that's 
far beyond my comprehension. We taught last week about the idea that God doesn't actually respond to our requests in the time that we want him to, in the way that he wants, that we want him to. And because of that, sometimes our response is to feel disappointment, that our experience of God didn't meet our expectations. But actually, the story we talked around last week, if you weren't here, go back and listen to the podcast uh, and catch up. And, and by the way, I, we didn't finish the story last week. We gave you a little bit of a, you know, go away and read it for yourself kind of thing. But the gist of last week's story was that God didn't meet the expectations of two people, their sisters named Martha and Mary. He didn't meet their expectations. He actually ended up exceeding their expectations. We serve a God that doesn't always meet our expectations because he isn't created in our image. We're created in his. His perspective and his priorities far exceed ours. And so he's not always going to do things the way we want him to do. But we should be grateful for that. Sometimes we're disappointed for a while in order for God to exceed our expectations when we have a long arc approach to life. Now, uh, I was reminded in in another way just how incredibly um, hungry people are for for that topic, what to do when God doesn't meet your expectations and how many people, and I talked about last week, live tethered to the past disappointments and haven't let go and broken through to continue to follow God in an active and uh, vibrant way. These slide decks that we use each week, we put onto a, a network called SlideShare. And SlideShare is a, it's a, it's a, a web-based platform that anybody can put up a slide deck on any topic they want. You know, if you've done a corporate presentation and you want more people to, to, to learn about it, see it, you can load it up to SlideShare. And so we've been putting our weekly slide decks up on SlideShare and, uh, and people from all over the world can access them. And we get uh, between 50 and 200 viewers of each, each week, okay? Uh, 50's on the low side, obviously. 200 is on the high side at the moment. We, we, we're seeing that continue to grow as our reach and influence grows. But when it's 200, that 200 tends to take about a month or two for, for, for sort of things to go viral. Well, last week on Monday, 3 p.m., we loaded last week's slide deck. And the topic is kind of the thing that gets people. How to respond when God doesn't meet your expectations. Within 14 hours, we had 200 people view that slide deck. That's how important, that's how many people live with some memory or even tethered to the idea that God's disappointed them. And by the way, we put that slide deck up for you too if you're not here because a lot of our teaching is visual. So that goes on our Facebook page. We let you know it's live. The podcast is live. The slide deck's live. You can listen to me in your iPod whilst uh, viewing our slide deck on your little uh, technical viewing Google machine thing. How good is the 21st century, huh? But our reach goes beyond. And so we had this lady... Uh, ping me, because last week, uh, for those of you here, remember, if you don't, it weren't here, um, we talked about the story of, of Mary and Martha, how their brother Lazarus got sick and, in, in fact, was dying. And, uh, and they went to Jesus, who, who, who loved Lazarus, to ask him to go to, to visit Lazarus and, and pray for him and make sure he either didn't die or if he was dead, that he'd, Jesus could pray for him and come, come back to life. And so this is a story that John put in. For us, and so we put that up there. Mary, Martha went to Jesus, said, "Can you come and pray for, for for the one you love, Lazarus?" And then the next slide, 
we put up that, yeah, Jesus said, no worries, Mary and Martha. I'm, I'm there. I'm going to get up. And Jesus got up and went to where Lazarus was and laid hands on him and prayed for Lazarus and he was healed. And we all went, oh, awesome. That's exactly what Jesus would do. Problem is, I wrote that bit of the Bible last week. That's not in the Bible. That's the fake version. Okay, it's the Mark version 2.0 version. And then we, the next slide was the real version, where Jesus actually didn't go immediately to visit Lazarus. <clears throat> so I had this lady send me a message through SlideShare. And it uh, seems to me she'd only got to the slide, the fake version slide. Because she sent me a message. Dear, I don't know what she called me. Um, I was looking at your slide deck for the expectation gap where you talk about the story of Mary and Martha going to Jesus and asking him to come and pray for Lazarus. And then you said that Jesus immediately went to visit Lazarus and prayed for him. Um, what version of the Bible are you using? Because <laughs> I've never seen that, she said. I very gently responded to her to look at the next slide and that we had a fake version and then pointed her to our podcast and she could listen and it would all make sense. And 24 hours later, she now subscribes to our slide decks. She was so satisfied with my very gentle, resourceful answer. How good's that? I love it. Today, I want to talk about situations when we oh email when we who was that um i'll get to it after just so you're not disappointed gee mark took 30 minutes to respond to my email yeah busy um i want to talk today about what we need to do and some of the thoughts around the idea when we don't meet other people's expectations now, I know most of you, this has never happened. And I especially want to talk about how we can navigate not meeting other people's expectations when their, their expectations differ from God's expectations for us. When we have to choose. Now, we're going to talk around the trilogy, the third story from these three siblings, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Before we get to that, though, I just want to, I need to qualify something. Sometimes the reason that you don't meet other people's expectations is simply based on your poor performance. Yeah, I didn't expect to get an amen for that one. (laughs) Preach it, Mark. I'm feeling better already. Sometimes you have relational breakdown because you, we, have not communicated effectively with the other person. We've either said nothing. I don't want you to put your hands up, but, but some of you, I imagine, when someone has ticked you off and they want to make things better, you go underground. That's on you. That's you sweeping out of the carpet. It doesn't work, but you do it anyway. So sometimes we don't meet other people's expectations. It's completely our fault. Sometimes you don't meet your boss's expectations and you come home and you grizzle to people around you. Oh, gee, stupid work. I go to work and all they want me to do is work. 
Like, and what were you expecting they were wanting you to go and do? Sometimes we disappoint other people because we're actually a poor fit. This happens a lot in workplaces. We, we really major around that idea, idea here at Elevate is we try to make sure team members find their right shaped role and their right size role. And you can be in certain situations where you're either a wrong shape for the role or the wrong size for the role. You don't have the capacity. And despite your best efforts, you're, you're going to disappoint people. And, and this, is, this is not their fault. And the, and the good thing about this with all of those sorts of situations is whilst these are around expectation gaps created by us not doing something, all of those types of things, and I just gave a few examples, all of those types of things can actually, the expectation gap can be bridged not by expecting other people to lower their expectations, but they can all be bridged by you raising your experience. Get better at communicating. Well, I grew up in a family and, and we didn't communicate very well. Stop blaming your family. Learn. Take responsibility. It's now your job to get better at it. Well, my mum and dad weren't very good communicators. Okay, now that we've cleared that up, you get better at it. Why would you want to live like a victim and perpetuate the bad behavior? Get a book. Enroll in a class. Lift your experience. Don't expect people to lower their expectations. Work harder. Oh, they don't appreciate me. Do they pay you? Yeah. Well, that's appreciation. See, Stewie runs his own business. He's wishing some of his staff were long up there listening to this intro of this message. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to qualify that because, because it's not all someone else's fault when we don't meet their expectations. But I want you to get your Bibles, get your Bible machines, apps, all that. And we're going to talk around just this last story from the life of Mary and Martha. And whilst the examples I just shared were about us not doing certain things, not delivering a certain level of experience, this is actually around us doing something that mismatched someone else's expectations. And I'm confident we've all experienced that. And if we haven't, you will soon, one day. Stay in by. John recorded this. Six days before the Passover, Jesus entered Bethany where Lazarus, so recently raised from the dead, was living. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served, obviously. Lazarus was lying down. That's all he ever does. He's either lying down in a grave or he's lying down at a table. <clears throat> lying down, Lazarus. Mary came in with a jar of very expensive aromatic oils. By the way, just so you know, this, very, this jar of very expensive aromatic oils was valued at a one average one year's wage. Okay, So if you want to know, if you think your Chanel number no. 5 is all that in a bag of chips... Did it cost you whatever you earn in a year? This is what she, she had a, a one year, whatever you earn in a year, this is what the equivalent is. Anointed and massaged Jesus' feet and then wiped them with her hair. The fragrance of the oil filled the whole house. Judas Iscariot, one of Jesus' disciples, even then ready to betray him, said, why wasn't this oil sold and the money given to the poor? It would have easily brought 300 silver pieces. Now, he said this not because he cared two cents about the poor, but because he was a thief. He was in charge of the common funds of the treasurer, but he also embezzled them. 
So he's thinking about the 300 silver pieces and how many he can kind of skim off without anybody knowing. And Jesus said, let her alone. She's anticipating and honoring the day of my burial. So this is something they might have done when someone died and they were embalming them, actually used the most expensive perfumes that they had. Jesus, as you can see, wasn't dead yet. So this was not normal. You'll always have the poor with you. and You won't always have me. So here we have the situation where Mary disappointed Jesus, not by under-delivering the experience, but actually doing something that Judas saw was extravagant, but actually not extravagant in a good way, but actually wasteful. Judas thought that Mary had the wrong priorities when it came to Jesus. Now, by the way, we can avoid this ever happening to us. If, if, if you don't ever want anybody to criticize you for being extravagant towards Jesus, right? You, you might want to write this down in case you ever want to make sure you don't ever get criticized by anybody because of your extravagant love and worship for Jesus. Here's a couple of tips. Uh, don't ever do anything for Jesus. If you don't ever do anything for Jesus, no one will ever criticize you of doing something for Jesus. All right, good. Glad you're not writing that down. Or you can do stuff for Jesus, but just do it in a very mediocre fashion. Because, you know, don't want to get carried away doing things for Jesus. I'll come back to that. But there's a key in this story. And the key lies in this second line. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Okay, we understand whose honor, who was the guest of honor, who, who was the reason for the season. Uh, this was all about Jesus, okay? This dinner wasn't for Judas. And here's a takeaway principle. You can write this down. When you give Jesus the seat of honor, other people's expectations pale in significance. When it comes to Jesus, going all in is actually normal. It's, it's normal. I'll talk about that. But this is this sticky situation where, where Mary went all in. And she got criticized by Judas. Now, some of us have a, have a Judas in our life, and doesn't matter what we do, they always criticize us. Right? <clears throat> What's interesting, though, is this story was also recorded by Mark and by Matthew. And in Mark and Matthew's account, they say that after Jesus had kind of, you know, jumped all over Mary, that the other 11, the good guys, joined in the chorus and, and told Mary that she was being wasteful as well. So if it was just Judas, you know, flipping the bird and move on. But it wasn't just Judas. It was all of Jesus' followers that got stuck into her, the good guys as well. In fact, it's actually easier for us to note and to filter when it's the bullheads in our life that criticize us. But when it's the good people, that's actually the stuff that often hurts the most. It's often the stuff that's the hardest 
to filter out. And especially when we're doing stuff for Jesus, our music team. What if, you know, someone in their world criticized them? What in the world are you doing getting up early on a Sunday morning and driving all the way into Rivervale to, to get there early so you can practice, so you can play music? Like, why would anyone do that, especially on a Sunday morning? I don't understand. Or someone that loves you and you love saying, Sunday morning, why would you take a Sunday morning to get your kids up and get them, you know, fed and watered and somehow, you know, looking moderately respectable or whatever and and shuffle them off on a Sunday morning when, look, come on, that's cruel. They should be sleeping in. You should be sleeping in. This cartoon's till 12. Electronic babysitting for free. Why would you do that? I don't understand. You give money away to your church? Are you crazy? Why would you do that? I don't understand. Well, our simple explanation, and we probably wouldn't use these words, but our internal navigation should be that we've given Jesus the seat of honor in our lives. And because of that, it's just normal to go all in. Now, not everyone will understand. See, Aussies understand cultural Christianity, right? In the 2011 census, 62% of Australians ticked the box, I'm a Christian. 62%. If, and like, I'm, not, I'm not judging them, I'm not saying we're better than them, but, I'm just, but I stand back and imagine... Because by the way, on any given weekend, only 2 to 3% of the Aussie population are gathered in a church. And we're doing some pretty cool stuff, locally, nationally, and globally. I just, I literally find myself imagining if 62% of Australians went all in for Jesus. Not just tick the box once every five years. Again, I'm not judging anybody. I'm imagining what what that could look like. I'm imagining what, in, what, what transformation could take place in our cities and in our nation and, and in our globe if 62% of people who identify themselves as Christians went all in, gave Jesus the seed of honor and went all in. Just imagine that. I'm not judging them. Judging them. I'm not judging them. We're trying to reach them. We call them de-churched people. People that have a consciousness of God and understand that Jesus probably, probably, is who he says he is, man, wow, we want to get him in. And we want to share with him that going all in, Mary style, for Jesus is normal. Normal. Perth doesn't need another church full of people who just tick the box every five years. In fact, I'd be more concerned if nobody misunderstood my going all in for Jesus. Because it probably suggests I haven't. <laughs> if, 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 I, if I've just kept my experience at the minimum level and just said, no, come on, don't expect me to go all in. Lower your expectations. I want people to expect that I'm all in. But ultimately, I want Jesus to know that I'm all in. Because here we have this situation. One act, one act, Mary breaking a year's worth of perfume over Jesus' feet. One act, Two responses. One act, same act. Two very different responses. 
Judas didn't like it. Jesus did. When it comes to you going all in, whose opinion do you value the most? Who would you want to serve the most? You've got to understand both Judas and Jesus died on a tree. Both of them. Judas hung himself. Jesus was crucified. But only one of them rose from the dead. Which one do you want to follow? Whose opinion matters most? Now, there's a context that John wrote about. Let's go back to the the scripture, please, Sam. I know I haven't got that in my notes. John reminds us (laughs) at the very beginning. See, this is chapter 12, okay? Last week, we talked from chapter 11. So John, and by the way, John didn't write these in chapters. This was just like a whole thing. We've now divvied them up to make it easier to to Google. But um, chapter 11, the preceding chapter, talked about how Jesus went and rose, you know, prayed for Lazarus and rose him from the dead. Awesome. So, so John just continued to write about the next thing that happened. Six days before Passover, Jesus entered Bethany where Lazarus so recently, fresh out of the oven, raised from the dead, was living. Here, a dinner was thrown in Jesus' honor. If Jesus had just uh, risen, rose, your brother, sister, mother, daughter from the dead, you think you might be inviting him over for a meal to say thanks? So some favors people do for you that a thank you card in the mail just doesn't quite match the the gratitude, hopefully, you would have. So I read this. I think it's hilarious. John just says, oh, yeah, you know, Lazarus recently raised from the dead and was living here at dinner, was given in Jesus' honor. Well, of course, Mary and Martha, Jesus, mate, thank you. Well, wow, you raised our brother from the dead. What can we ever do? What can we ever do to thank you? What can we ever do to show our gratitude to you? Tell you what, Jesus, Friday night, you're busy. You're not busy. Come for dinner. We're going to throw a dinner. In your honor, bring the 12. We'll feed them too. Martha will cook, obviously. This is like, I read this and I go, well, of course they had a dinner in Jesus' honor. And of course, Mary didn't stop there. Jesus had just risen their brother from the dead. She goes scurrying around Martha's house and finds the most expensive thing that she could find and throws that all over Jesus. It wasn't extravagant. It was, Jesus, you just rose my brother. Here he is from the dead. Mate, years worth of perfume. Hang on, let me see what else I've got. Right? This is not weird. Jesus just rose their brother from the dead. But Judas didn't understand. And we've got people in our life, probably, who don't understand. When we go all in, it doesn't make sense to them. And and I love, I love Mary's response. And we can actually take a cue from Mary's response. You see, because, you know, Judas was entitled to his opinion. You know, our friends, our family, people that don't understand us going on, they're entitled to their opinion. 
But I love, I love what Mary said to Judas. When you can raise me, you can judge me. Now, she didn't say that. It's another fake version of the Bible. But, 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 but that's a pretty cool thing if she did. Judas, she goes, Psh, years worth of, of uh, wages, wipe them with her hair. Judas like, that's wasteful. She goes, Judas, when you can raise me, you can judge me. Now, she didn't say that. I'm going to get a t-shirt with that on it, by the way. Whenever any of your people in your world criticize you for going only for Jesus, put the t-shirt on. When you can raise me, you can judge me. But right now, I'm living for the one who raised me. I'm jumping up and down a lot this morning, and I haven't even taken a sip of that coffee, so look out. Um, (laughs) We shouldn't be surprised if and when anybody in our sphere thinks that we're a bit weird when we go all in for Jesus. Judas, and by the way, I said the other 11 got in as well on this. He was there when Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. He saw, Judas saw dead Lazarus. Lazarus version 1.0. And then... Lazarus was there, eyewitness. He didn't read this like we're reading it. Judas was there, right? When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And despite that, he might have understood, yeah, okay, you know, fair enough. Have a dinner in his honor. I get it, you know. But even someone that was there when Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead, didn't understand, thought Mary had her priorities mixed up when she cracked a year's worth of wages, value, perfume over Jesus' feet. Judas was there and didn't understand that. 2,000 years later, most of you, as do I, believe that Jesus was crucified, was buried in a grave, and three days later rose again to defeat death. And that the very act of him being crucified was to take on our sins, yours and mine, in our place and die so that we would never have to. Rise again to defeat death. Judas, who was there, didn't understand why Mary was going all in for Jesus. It should ever surprise us. For people who don't believe what we believe, to think we're a little bit weird for going all in for a guy who rose us from the dead. Right? Like, I, I don't expect other people to, to understand that. It's okay. I'm judging them. If they become like Judas and actually quite accusatory, then I'm going to put the t shirt on. When you can raise me, you can judge me. But you know, most people actually aren't like that. They're just a bit 
I don't understand. One of the biggest, most undeniable expressions of the reality that Jesus rose you and I from the dead when we put our faith in him is us going all in for him and for that being normal in our lives. That's going to look different to different people. Hosts, can you pass out the uh, crackers and juice? Our host team are just going to pass out some crackers and juice. As they go, grab one of each. Just hold on to that for, for a moment. We're going to actually eat and drink them together in a moment. But question I, I want to ask, and it's not a, it's not a judgment question, be, it, but it's, it's, it's an honest question and it's, a, it's an important question. And I want you to ask this of yourself. I can't, I can't answer this for you. Um, are there any areas where you're holding back for Jesus? Again, it's not a, I'm not asking this so that you do a self-examination and start beating yourself up and feeling like you're not meeting Jesus' expectations. But just, just, you know, Jesus is always calling us on. And he's always calling us on, not because he wants something from us, but because he wants something for us. And actually, when we don't go all in for him, it's actually not just his kingdom that gets shortchanged, but it's us. It's our fulfillment. It's, it's you know, I was thinking about it during the week, for, for those of you over 60 like me, um, the film Chariots of Fire, and one of the, one of the guys, dun, 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 Jared Q. Yeah, I know. I knew you could. I, sh- I should have thought about that. I knew you could. Bassoon and all. But anyway. Um, one of the, the, the main characters in this uh, film, Chariot of Fire, um, was a, a chap named Eric Liddell. And, and he said these words, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. I'm convinced that when we go all in for Jesus, we feel God's pleasure. Put that scripture up again, please, Sam. When we go all in for Jesus, Mary went all in, right? Mary was not one of the chosen 12, right? The chosen 12 ganged up on her. At that very moment, when it seems like it's only you who feels like you did the wrong thing and everyone else around you thinks you went a bit too far, right? Check what Jesus did. He said, leave her alone. Jesus came to her defense. Just imagine for a moment a life where when people criticize you because you're a little bit fanatical, you're a bit of a weirdo, you're, you're a bit, you know, gosh, you know, Sunday morning and everything. You just carry on worshiping Jesus, going all in, and trust that Jesus comes to your defense. What sort of a breakthrough would that cause in your life? That you don't have to walk around defending yourself. I mean, some criticisms, the best response is no response. One of my golden modus operandi. Something's not worth responding to. It's like, yeah, okay, I'll just carry on. (laughs) 
But at any time, when we go all in for Jesus and, and we're faced with a choice where we have to either choose between going all in for Jesus or, or holding back and pleasing some of the people around us who don't understand, which is okay. Why should they? That when we do, even when we cop some criticism, even when maybe that, cop, that criticism's from someone a bit like Judas who's somewhat vitriolic towards us, even then, to know that Jesus comes to our defense. How freeing is that to just keep on going all in? So I just want you to think about that because what you've got in your hand is a symbol, a little cracker, a little bit of juice. And these are symbols. This, the cracker is a symbol of Jesus' body. Okay, it's like, a, it's like a metaphor, if you like. And then the juice is, is a metaphor or a symbol of Jesus' blood. And, and, what, and what he uh, instructed us to do is that we would regularly gather together and, and, and eat some you know, breadish kind of thing and drink some wine-ish, juice-ish kind of thing. And, and, and not so much care about what it is, but why it is. To actually pause, pause on this frenetic, fast-paced life that we live, always rushing to the next thing, that we would pause regularly and actually remember what it is he did. Mary remembered what Jesus had just done. And it caused her to go all in. Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus, when we, when we ask him to be the Lord of our lives, he doesn't transform us from bad people to good people. He raises us from dead people to alive people. He raises us. From, he doesn't raise us from the dead when we pop our clogs in 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years time. When we hit... Caracatta six feet under. That's not when Jesus raises us from the dead. He raises us from the dead the very split second that we put our faith in him and say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. He, because from that moment, death is a life separated from God. And life is a life in relationship with God. And I want us to remember that Jesus did that. Some of you haven't made that choice yet, and we're going to give you the opportunity in a moment. But for those of you that have, for those of you that, that, that you have, said, Jesus, I want to put my faith in you. I want to follow you. I want to put my trust in you. I want to commit my life to you. Remember right now, remember that at that moment, he raised you from the dead. And going all in is normal if we understand and appreciate the significance of what he's done for us. So my question, not as a guilt question, but as we remember, what does that look like? in response for you to go all in. Whatever that is, if you're not there yet, make a decision this morning to, to take your next step towards going all in for Jesus, which should be normal. Grab that cracker and, uh, and eat that and then just grab the juice and drink that. And take this moment, take this moment as as a moment of commitment. So if you, if you, hopefully, if you've thought about an area that you've been holding back, whatever that is, I want you just, you now, just silently pray your own prayer of commitment. Jesus, I'm going to take that next step. I, I, I want to go all in. It's normal.
as I appreciate what you've done for me. While you're praying that prayer, also pray for people who haven't yet made the decision to, to make Jesus their Lord and to follow him. And those of you that haven't made that decision yet, as I mentioned, we're going to give you that opportunity right here, right now, to say, Jesus, I want to respond to you. I want to go from death to life. I'm so glad that you died in my place. I'm so glad that you died so I wouldn't have to. And so for those of you that have never made that decision, I just want you to put your hand up right now. Put your hand up. When I see your hand, you can put it down. But you're putting your hand up saying, yep, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to put my faith in you right here, right now. When I see your hand, you can put it down. Then we're just going to quickly pray. We don't ever want to miss somebody who needs to make this decision right here, right now. So for those of you that haven't made that decision, have never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, put your faith in him, your trust in him, taken a step to going all in for him, just put your hand up right now. And say, yeah, that's me. I need to make that decision this morning. And when I see your hand, you can put it down. 